Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Empower and Awaken with Lubaina. This is your host Lubaina and thank you so much for joining me again here today. So today we're going to be talking about some astrological tidbits and then diving right in for an interview with my friend Deidre Savoy who is an alternative healing practitioner and we're going to be discussing some very interesting topics such as um, ancestral lineage and memories and how they affect us on a day-to-day level and what we can do to clear the ones that kind of keep us stuck and blocked. Well, this is actually a good segue into the astrological topic that I want to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about the planet Saturn because right now it's um, retrograde, which means that it's uh, moving slowly enough for it to be almost moving backwards. So just to give you, and and many of you may have heard of Mercury retrograde, so you might be familiar with the term retrograde. And let me just talk a little bit about what happens when a planet is in retrograde. When a planet is in retrograde, its energies um, direct us more inwards than outwards is one way of explaining it. And unlike Mercury retrograde, which um, starts spinning backwards and affects us like um, in in many in in many uh, very obvious ways, like our email servers crashing down and uh, you know communications being completely challenged and and all those things that you've heard about Mercury retrograde, Saturn retrograde affects us in a completely different way. So first of all. Let's talk about the planet Saturn and the archetype that it represents in astrology. The planet Saturn is often called the keeper of karma. It's also called um, the keeper of time. It's an energetic archetype of um, discipline, of responsibilities, of life lessons, and what we need to learn in order to move forward. So that's pretty much Saturn's um, job in the astrological world is to keep us in line so that we learn our karmic lessons, so that we do the hard work, and then we can reap the rewards. That's pretty much the archetype that Saturn represents. Now, um, Saturn creates and governs the rules and regulations we live by as a society. Um, Saturn reminds us of our responsibilities to ourselves, our life, and to others. Um, And when Saturn goes retrograde, it's um, it's actually not an intense time and it's not really something to panic over. It can even be a good thing. Uh, Saturn going retrograde essentially slows down the pace of our lives just enough so that we can reorganize and reassess our commitments. And uh, by this, I mean commitments in all areas of our lives. And what this Saturn retrograde is going to bring up for you personally, again, is going to depend on what it's doing in your own chart. 
For example, in my chart right now, this Saturn retrograde is going over the planet Venus in my natal chart. And um, this is basically making me feel challenged in my love relationships and my expressions of love and the way that I function inside love relationships. But the interesting thing is that these these patterns of feeling stuck or feeling challenged are there so that I can re- reevaluate and really see what works and what doesn't. That's really the nitty-gritty of Saturn. It that's when it comes down to it, that's what Saturn is trying to teach us is what works and what doesn't. And uh, sometimes Saturn can feel, uh, the Saturnian energy can feel very black or white because it's like what's right and what's not. What works, what doesn't, what fits, what doesn't. And are you forcing things? If so, why? What are these patterns that are keeping you stuck? So Saturn, even though it gets a bad rep in astrology, it uh, as being like the planet that binds, that like restricts you, it does so that we can learn the lessons. And once we learn the lessons, Saturn can become our friend. So when we pay our dues, Saturn is on our side. So if we fulfill our obligations, our responsibilities, and uh, really work through what's keeping us attached to things and people that no longer serve us, then Saturn can help us evolve further and evolve energetically so that we can be better people. And the sign that Saturn is in right now, it feels very comfortable in. Um, It's the sign of Capricorn, which essentially is also ruled by Saturn. And it kind of like makes that energy um, more, um, well, intensified in some ways. Uh, Both Saturn and Capricorn are hardworking energies, ready to motivate us to move to new heights. Um, Saturn drives us to do our best work and work hard. And uh, the archetype of Saturn in Capricorn is to remind us that no mountain is too high with the right effort and determination. So um, Saturn can drive us forward to reach new levels in whatever area of life that Saturn is um, affecting in our personal charts right now. So I'm hoping that um, once uh, I can get through these lessons that I really need to learn about love, um, I will experience a completely different way of looking at myself in relation to my love relationships. So that's just an example of what's going on right now. Um, So if you guys have any questions about how Saturn affects you in your chart, or you would like to have your astrological chart done, just so you, even if you're curious, or you want to find out more, you can reach me by emailing me at empowerandawaken at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.empowerandawaken.com. And don't forget to subscribe 
to my podcast by going to anchor.fm slash empower and awaken. My guest today is Deidre Savoy of The Goddess Dreams. Deidre Savoy works with creative and entrepreneurial women to help them become unstuck and unstoppable in their businesses, their art, and their lives. She's an intuitive advisor, a healer, educator, and the national best-selling author of over a dozen novels. Hi, Dee. Hi, Vina. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, thanks for having me. Great. So um, I want to dive right into you talking about um, your journey with the world of healing and how you came to do the work that you're doing right now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, unlike most people, my healing journey started when I was born. And by that, I mean, I was actually born dead. Hmm. Okay. I was when I was um, born, I was given last rites and everything um, right there at, in the delivery room. Wow. And, um, you know, they give you this test uh, to newborns uh, mm -hmm. called the APGAR. And mm -hmm. um, I got zero, which means that at one minute and at three minutes, I was completely unresponsive. And how the doctors actually got me to start breathing nobody knows. And when um, they sent me home with my parents, which was after months of being in intensive care, you know, uh, neonatal intensive care, mm -hmm. um, they were told, well, if she's going to die, she'll die at night, which was kind of really great news to tell young parents <laughs> when they're taking their child. <laughs> home. Yeah, wow. Don't get any sleep because Lord knows what will happen if, if, you know, if you, if you go to sleep at night. But um, one thing that this experience really did for me was it instilled in me the idea that there's a reason for me to be here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it would have been so easy for me not to be here. There's really no reason for it. Nobody really has an explanation for it. And so right. I've always felt that I had a purpose here, even if mm -hmm. I didn't really know what it was very early on in life, mm -hmm. I knew I was here for a purpose. And to me, that's one of the most important things that we can recognize as humans is that we are here with a purpose and that we need to figure out what it is and we need to figure out mm -hmm. ways to enact this in our lives. Because other than that, we really um, feel lost in our life. We don't mm -hmm. know where we're going. We don't okay. know what we're supposed to be doing. And whatever that purpose is goes unserved. So that's really where my uh, work got its start in figuring out my own purpose and recognizing that I could help other people figure out what theirs is and help them live a life that they're supposed to live, that they're meant to live. So what did it look like in, for, you to, for, for you to find your purpose? What did that journey look like? What did you encounter? And can you tell us a little bit about some um, obstacles you had or particular points in this journey that stand out as being pivotal? Well, ever since I was uh, very little, 
I wanted to be two things, a writer and a teacher. And mm-hmm. okay. um, luckily, both of those were things that I could do. Um, when I was in junior high school, uh, I founded a future teachers club with some, some of my friends. And um, eventually, I did become um, a teacher, uh, first in elementary school, then on the college level. But I think that's more than just a, a, a profession, in a sense, because that's what I tend to do wherever I go and whatever I do to teach people and to, and to bring them along. And from mm-hmm. my earliest times, I was also a writer, but I had no confidence in, in what I wrote. And I started working on a novel when I was uh, 16. About, yeah, I think it was 16. Um, mm-hmm. wow. So okay. it, was, it was pretty early, I guess. But since I had no confidence in myself or my writing or what I was writing about or that anybody would publish it or, you know, all the all the the things that uh, people go through when they when they're picking a, or, or trying to explore a creative avenue, um, all that self-doubt and the inner critiquing kept me from really mm-hmm. just going out and trying to get it published. In fact, it took me 20 years before I actually got the novel out, finished writing it. I've been, I was writing it piece by piece for that t- those 20 years and, um, mm-hmm. and finally sent it to one publisher and one editor. And it was accepted. Uh, not, uh, not, um, I'm sorry, one uh, publisher and one agent. And it was accepted by both of them. So it only goes to show that all those fears and doubts and worries and everything else that I had built up within myself that seemed to have power really shouldn't have because my work was good enough to be immediately accepted and I had a um a 10 year long publishing career from that so um it really just speaks to me of the idea that we should not allow our fears to be the thing that governs us in moving forward because if I had just mm. gone forward, I think in, in love or an acceptance of myself and what I had to say, I could have written or been published years before. <laughs> but then maybe it wouldn't have been as juicy. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it would not have been as juicy. I don't think it would have been as as um, as good in some ways because th- those years um, – that I spent keeping it in the drawer also gave me life experience and, um, and a different perspective on things that made uh, my writing much richer. So I, I do agree with that, but I also wouldn't have spent so much of that time um, doubting myself. And so that too might've given a different perspective to my writing. So what is it that you do in your work right now? Can you describe what you do with women and the, the work that you do with oh, women? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I uh, do a process that I call uh, sacred womb healing. And really what I focus on is the sacred, what I call the sacred womb, which is the energetic womb and the sacral chakra together. And what I mean by that is that our womb carries the four creative elements or aspects of nature, earth, air, fire, and Mm -hmm. water. And so this gives us our own creative energy as women. 
our own creative engine to power our lives. And so I help women to see where or which element might be a little bit out of whack and then help bolster mm-hmm. this energy in general. And what I really uh, start do, start out doing is to first assess the energy of the womb because when women come to me, it can be for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. Whether It can be physical, emotional, or spiritual in nature. So first of all, we're just trying to figure out where the energy level is. Say, for example, women who are having difficulty conceiving, women who are dealing mm-hmm. with um, PCOS or fibroids or other physical condition, women who feel like their creative spark or their, their luster um, in life has gone out, which is an energetic mm-hmm. condition, um, and uh, women who um, are just suffering from, say, um, uh, a surgery or or other um, childbirth from lived or or ancestral wounds or or different things, this can all have an impact on womb energy. And so, mm-hmm. what um, one one question about what you just said? What would you what would you say are ancestral wounds? Okay. What does what does that mean in lay in layman's okay. terms? Well, uh, we all carry with us almost like if you can imagine a string going from back uh, through our our parents to our grandparents to our great grandparents, our lineage as humans on the planet, mm-hmm. and then going forward as well to our children and their children and their children. There is a lineage, and that's really why it's called a lineage. There's a line between all of us going forward and going backward, and that we still carry the energy of our uh, ancestral lineage with us. For example, um, uh, as a woman, when you are born, Mm -hmm. okay, uh, you are born with every egg you're ever going to have. And in in one of those eggs is your potential daughter, let's say. And as she begins to grow, uh, mm-hmm. she is then within your body and experiencing things from your life, the energies that flow through your life, the, the successes or the, the failings or whatever it is that you experience in life, all the emotions, all of the um, the things that impact you as a person are also mm-hmm. impacting every part of your body, which includes your womb, which includes the eggs that are there in the ovaries. And so when we are born, we are already carrying a lot of uh, epigenetic material as well as genetic material from, uh, from our past. It's funny because just today I was reading an article online um, about how memories can actually be passed down through generations and it's somewhere in our genetic code. We just haven't quite discovered how they're carried down in that fashion, but that they've done scientific studies to prove that that's the case where memories and, and especially strong ones um, such as trauma are more likely to be 
um, carried down through, as you are describing, the lineage. Absolutely. And scientists are now doing a, a, a number of studies, including, um, and this is really the field of what they call epigenetics, emotional uh-huh. content that is passed down the same way DNA is passed down and genetic material is passed down. And that mm-hmm. you can find that, say, somebody who um, had a leg amputated at the knee will give birth to a child that has a birthmark on the knee. So in the, wow. the, the traumatic influences that mm-hmm. we carry, we pass down to our mm-hmm. children. So if we're passing down material to our children, then we have to recognize that material has been passed down to us. And that sometimes the things that we experience in our life really doesn't even belong to us. And separating out what is our actual lived experience, what is our actual lived wounding, the things that have happened to us that have impacted us negatively and then therefore are stored somewhere in our our body but what also does not belong to us for example i have a good friend who when uh her mother was pregnant with her her Uh father was killed because her father was murdered by by somebody and so that changed the complete environment in which she was being gestated so it went from being a joyous Mm. experience from her mom for her mom to being a traumatic experience for her mom so that even that energy can be passed down from mother to child or grandmother to mother to child. And that's why we say sometimes that when something bad happens in a family, it impacts seven generations because by then uh, much of the epigenetic influence has dissipated and is no longer potent. And what what kind of work do you do to help clear this sort of epigenetic coding or epigenetic messages that might be getting in the way of them living full and happy lives? Well, part of the process is to first do that assessment of where they are energetically, what they're carrying around, what they're holding. And I do this through um, actually meditation and artwork because... Um, studies have oh. shown that the intelligence, the intelligence of the womb is quite different from the intelligence or the intuition of other parts of the body and the gut and the womb, hmm. the, their intelligence is not run mm-hmm. through the brain like other intelligence is so that we don't always recognize the signs, the symbols, the feelings. That's why when we get a gut feeling, we may know what mm-hmm. the feeling is telling us, like, don't go in that room. But we don't understand why. And sometimes that makes us doubt if the information is accurate. But then, of course, we can mm-hmm. go in that room and we'll find out exactly why we were told to go in there. But, right. Um, so um, what we do is we really uh, get down into a very basic level um, that's beyond that communication of the, the brain into artwork where people can really... Um, express themselves. And then once we analyze uh, what they do a little bit, they can usually recall different experiences, different memories, different ideas, different thoughts, um, different feelings that may or may not belong to them directly. 
And so we go into the, the womb, clearing that out energetically. Um, and one of the parts of what I do that I find the most moving is to do um, a grief ceremony. Because many times, mm-hmm. and especially in our society, we do not allow people time to process emotion. And right. we live in right now in a society where everybody is about, well, only positive vibes. Well, that's great. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really agree with that to some, on some level because you really do want to be able to move forward with confidence and, and with, um, with the feeling of pride in what you're doing. And that's great. But there's also time when you need to go inside not just with the face that you present mm-hmm. to the outside world, but to go inside. And when you go inside, we need to really address what we've been holding there because our womb, just like any other receptacle, can hold on to things that we're really not paying attention to. And so mm-hmm. that ceremony mm-hmm. really goes about figuring out where those wounds, whether they're epigenetic, genetic, lived, um, wounds and release them and what what does a grief ceremony consist of what do you do in a grief ceremony well what we what we do really is to um hmm that's a little bit of a trade secret (laughs) (laughs) exactly i mean you don't have to tell us exactly what you do i'm just trying to get an idea for uh for our listeners like because it it sounds it sounds a little bit mysterious so we want to we want to demystify it a little bit in case you know those listening might be curious as to what it is for maybe maybe they want to do it themselves you know like or come or what i mean by that is like get in touch with you to do something like this but like what would that entail and how does that release happen like Mm -hmm. what's going on in there you know so not like exact details but you know just what kind of is there a conversation what what goes on oh okay 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 well during the womb grief ceremony our real goal is to get deep into our emotions and our knowings about ourselves so what we're really focusing in on are the Mm -hmm. times that we can think of to start with that we know that we've experienced something that has wounded us or that has impacted us in in a way that we don't care for and once Mm -hmm. we start to do that it's amazing because and this is done through meditation. This is done through also sometimes, depending okay. on the, the client, a bit of self-massage in the womb area. Um, or it can be done okay. with, um, with um, another kind of, of womb wrapping, depending on what that person feels they need to be supported with. And we go into, through meditation, uh, the different um, gateways of the womb. And, mm-hmm. um, and so what we do is we kind of probe, where do we feel uncomfortable, hurt, um, mm-hmm. tender, okay. you know, and many times, just like anywhere in your body where you don't feel well, if you prod it a little mm-hmm. bit, you can, you can recall or remember or even feel again, some of the, the um, hurtful things that have gone on that you've been holding on to. 
because it's not about mm-hmm. every hurtful thing that ever happened to you. You know, you didn't get that bike when you're eight. No, it's we're talking about really in-depth things that we didn't recognize that we were holding on to and that it is now time to release them. And for that space where those wounds were to heal. And well, that actually makes sense to me because when I work with people, I have them start with doing a body scan. So if they're coming in with anxiety, um, I'll ask them, where do you feel it in your body? Right. So then they can start to kind of get grounded in the emotion of it. And then I'll guide them through movement and meditation and other mind body techniques to help them work through that so um that that kind of does demystify the thing the the process for us yeah okay great so um and i know that you and i met what's what's it been like almost 10 years ago now yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's been a long time and uh, I know that when we first met, you were um, you were teaching and practicing Reiki very intensively. Mm-hmm. And I just want to digress for a brief moment, um, just to ask a little bit about that, simply because I think that it's a modality that's become pretty popular and well known now. So it's something that people can um, uh, can kind of uh, latch on to. Do you still do any work with Reiki? Well, I think all energy work is related. So I don't necessarily call it Reiki, although I have had some clients um, for as long as 10 years um, when um, I was really doing Reiki, who still called me up for a Reiki session, even though that's not exactly, um, or it's not pure uh, Reiki energy as, as I was taught it to begin with. And even Reiki itself, has gone through an evolution, at least in the uh, among the people that um, that I know. Uh, when we first started, it was very much more of a um, hands-on and place your hands here and do this like so um, kind of modality, or at least the way it was taught to me. And now, in in the lineage that I'm in, um, they've got the Holy Fire Reiki, where uh, we don't even do. Um, attunements anymore everything is uh so much different and i think that's because the energy uh on the planet is evolving just as we're evolving and so there's no um there's not so much need for um uh for things to be so prescribed do it like this and only like this and um it is so much more of an expansive kind of energy and I've trained in a lot of different modalities of um, of healing uh, and even some that are uh, called Reiki even though who the heck knows Reiki just means healing so um, <laughs> it's really a combination of all the things that I have worked mm-hmm. on that coalesce into my own healing and I think that's something that every practitioner does, regardless of what they say their exact um, healing method is, that it's always a coalesce. I don't know if that's a word, Uh, but a a combination of what you're taught, Uh your own Uh natural um, energy, your own natural way of, because we all have the capacity to heal naturally ourselves, what our experience Mm -hmm. is, what other, other, um, uh, 
tools we choose to use, such as crystals or or uh, movement or or whatever else. And I think everybody um, who is a healer heals in their own particular way, and that's why it's always good to get to know who you want to work with a little bit before. Um, right. Start. I always advise that as well. Now, um, here's a question. Can you give us an example of, um, of a, uh, and, and of course, like you don't have to disclose any, any names or anything. We're not trying to uh, get at anybody's uh, confidentiality. But would you would you be able to give us an example of someone having worked with you and what sort of results they have experienced? Okay. Um, well, um, I'm I'm thinking of one recent client who uh, came to me. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't remember how how we actually met. I think uh, um, she saw me speak at an event, and then mm-hmm. she called me up. And we mm-hmm. started to work together and she was dealing with some serious issues. Um, she thought she was coming to me because she wanted to have another baby. Okay. But in reality, um, she was dealing with some other serious issues that she really didn't intend to address um, mm-hmm. with her family. Um, some things that had gone on in her family that were very uh, painful and hurtful for mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And um, she hadn't intended to tell them to me either, but um, you know, through our, through the process, all of this came up. And as we worked together, she um, uh, confronted um, a family member who um, had wronged her, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he apologized. And even though she accepted his apology, she did not really welcome him back into her life. Um, mm-hmm. And then there were some other smaller issues to be dealt with, including um, uh, her significant other, mm-hmm. um, who she managed to release um, during the process and um, formed a much better relationship. With then, the person that she released? No. No. Okay. No. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we continued to work together after the, the initial process. We did a sacred um, womb healing together, but then we continued to work a little bit after that, I think for three sessions after that process. Mm-hmm. And she became pregnant. Oh, wow. We got everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, she ultimately ended up where she wanted to be. It was Absolutely. just more of a journey than she expected. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a um, pretty incredible breakthrough. Well, that's great. So um, the, if people want to reach you and find out more about your work, how would they get in touch with you? Okay. They can email me at D, D-E-E, at thegoddessdreams.com. They can go to my website, thegoddessdreams.com. Or if they really want to just find out more information directly, they mm-hmm. can call me at 646-355-7934. I may not answer because I'll probably be uh, in a session with somebody, but please leave a message because it's very important to me that uh, if people are uh, in need of contacting me, that, that they make sure I call them back. And I generally don't call back numbers that don't leave me um, a message. Too many scammers out there these days. 
<laughs> well, great. So this has been um, a lot of fun and pretty enlightening. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast and for joining me here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really been a great enjoyment for me. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of the second episode of Empower and Awaken with Lubaina. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and tuning in. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash empower and awaken. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, or you would like to get in touch with me, you can email me at empowerandawaken at gmail.com or you can check out my website at www.empowerandawaken.com So until next week, enjoy!